Oh my god, it's a podcast without Charlene. She's on holiday, because that's what you say when she's not here. What's up? I'm Justin April. This is the local podcast, episode number 23-ish, probably. I'll go back and fact check that. But I'm sitting here with Mike Bush and Brad Clayton, two, Hello. two goons from the uh, from the music scene here in Dothan, four years, and about since the beginning of independent music started happening around Dothan. I would say uh, a little bit after that. <laughs> <laughs> they invented it. Six months. We, we Six. absolutely did not. There was a music scene before, before Haji, and uh, but I think we we started the revolution. I think, I think it was more uh, bar bands, though. Uh, there's a lot of cover bands. There's a lot of yeah. Mutt Brothers. Well, you had uh, Matt Walker, um, the the Godfather of punk rock in, in Dothan, Alabama. Yeah, the original drunk punk. The original will. drunk punk. Yeah. Well, we used to call him the Pope of punk rock. He's a cool dude, um, but he. Um, he had a band called Thundar and the Barbarians, which is kind of where Haji drew our name from. That's cool. Yeah. So we used to watch them. Derek Parnell, John Hall, mm-hmm. uh, another dude. I forget who it was. But Marty Gums, right? Marty Gums on bass, yeah. So, yeah. And they were they were the first local punk band I ever saw. And I was like, that's that's incredible. I'm trying to get down with that. I, those were actually like my favorite music times around here because like you had the most interactive people that were going to see shows they didn't just stand in the corner and it was before smartphones so like i was about to say yeah it's it was the the big thing was that there were no smartphones so there was no uh catching pokemons or uh <laughs> you know or you or writing a blog about the band you're watching sucks Look, you know? yeah <laughs> while you're watching <laughs> while, you're, while you're currently viewing by the that way band. that was by design not the no smartphones but the the way we wrote songs back then was to get everybody as hyped as possible. Get, exactly. To get people involved. And so we wrote simple songs to get people to sing along. Yeah. And we thought that the best way, because when we go to a show, whoever it was, we would sing along and we'd have a good yeah. time. And so we thought, that's what Dothan needs. Dothan needs a band that people can go and just jump in the air and sing along and have a good time. So that's why we wrote the songs that we did. Yeah, because up until that point, it was straight up, for the most part, it was all older bar bands. Plus, it was our age group because obviously we weren't getting into bars in high school and like right. immediately we after. We were young. We were young. We start, when we started Haji, uh, it started off as a band called The Whatevers. And uh, Chris Granger was singing, and we had Steve Caps on sax. And Steve Caps, yeah, Steve that Caps. like in North, he's in New York riding bikes around with a yep, mustache. Steve Caps, yep. And uh, we had a guy, God, what was his name? He was on bass. I forget what his name was. Um, he had Ronnie he had, Delmore, <laughs> Millsap. <laughs> he had a really high pitched voice, and he was the most southern guy. He's like, Hey man, what you guys doing? James McCord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Ja- I think his name was Jamie something. I don't know. <laughs> Jamie's McCord. <laughs> Jamie and the McCords. Cindy Pavanpus was on drums. James Davis was the guitar player. All right. Yeah, and so That's we your, we your had this. Bud. Yep. So we had this band, and and it was pretty good. Um, but then Bobby came over to a practice one time. Mm-hmm. And he was He's talking about Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill, who's the lead singer guitar player of Haji and the Turbans. And has done a Amazing myriad of, yeah, yeah, tons of awesome stuff since then. But. Bobby Lee Hill is what you might know him now as yeah. just Bobby Lee. But he comes over to a practice one time, and he just watches the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then at, at the end, he goes, you guys mind if I play a song? And he gets up, and he plays Glycerine by Bush. All right. <laughs> Razor Blade suitcase it up. 
No, I think and then, that, that was was it on that one? I don't know. That's the only one I can remember. Uh, that was the first one, sixteen stone. Oh yeah, it is that with the, is with the the dreadlock dog on the front. Remember, man, you guys know way too much about Bush. Uh, well, me, me and Justin, uh, that's, your, we, that's your name, man. You got to study is, up on my, it. That's my <laughs> namesake. I was named after. That's your this, legacy, man. man. What's wrong with you? Well, me and Justin went on the the southeast leg tour uh, and caught every show. That's nuts. Did you really? Seven true. years straight, we've done that now. So oh, my God. We, we plan our family I totally believe everything about this story. I'd rather cut my feet off and juggle them. <laughs> I did cut your feet off and juggle them. Um, uh, so, so he played that, and then he played a Green Day song. I think it was like When I Come Around. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Basket Case. It was probably Basket Case. And we were all just like, oh, my God. We have to get this guy in our band. And, I mean... I mean, because if he's doing Bush, he's getting the girls. Well, in fact, before that happened, the bass player went on a skiing trip, broke his collarbone, and I was playing trombone for this band. So the horn section was me and Steve Caps, And then um, Steve Caps was just so busy being cool that he stopped coming to practices. And, and Dothan so, High Life. And Dothan High Life. Um, and, uh, and, and so then it was just me on trombone. And when Jamie broke his collarbone, they were like, you have to play the bass. And I was like, I don't know how to play the bass. And they're like, you better learn. That's only four strength, man. How hard it can be. <laughs> so I learned how to play the bass. I just taught myself how to play the bass. And, um, and so then Bobby comes to practice and he does this. And I look over at Chris and Sandy, we're like, we have to kick James Davis out of the band. And I mean, that sounds like <laughs> terrible right now, but basically we, we staged a coup. We kicked James Davis out of the band and we said, we can't, we basically told him we were breaking up and yeah. then, we reformed under a different name, and that was classic the, band move, right? Right, there. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. We'd that happened to Jeff Golden numerous times. <laughs> yeah. I've read it in his book, dude. Yeah. How about how about that guy's book? So, if you are into uh, wasting a lot of hours at work, check out Jeff Golden's uh, Facebook. He's writing a book of his memoirs in all caps with it's zero a, yeah, punctuation. No, no punctuation. He's very unapologetic about it too. He he. Says, oh, he knows he's. He says ruining it, which, well, which I have. I have a deep affinity for that because he he does not. Yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't pull any punches like, with it. Well, yeah, he's like, I'm not. I'm not trying to. This is not the final product. This is no. just me brain dumping all this information right. out. I wish it, it was the final product. But it is fun to read. I'd with, that. It is fun, right? I would. I got. I have a publishing house. Yeah. You have a publishing house. Yeah. We could fight over the rights for this book because I'm telling you, if we printed it exactly as he's typing on a Facebook, it would sell. Because people would just be like, "This is an existential did masterpiece." Did you ever read the that? mind of uh, you know a man? Like, did you ever read that book, um, House of Leaves? No. Okay, uh, and it, it's it's a really good book. It's really weird, and, and it's written in a way that um, it'll be you know like regular words that have been you know typed on or whatever, you know, like, like any book you would read. And then there'll be like eight or nine pages straight of handwritten stuff. And it's upside down and like in diagonals and stuff like that. And it, it is kind of cumbersome to read because you're like, the, the novelty of it wears off pretty quick. But it sold a lot because it was so weird. Everybody's like, oh, you Because you got to work a, for it. Right. I've never seen a book like this before. Right. You know? yeah. Yeah. So, this is yeah. interesting. I yeah. have to turn the page and flip it around. Yeah, I get that. Well, that's exactly what this would be if we did the Jeff Golden right. book. Was people would have to like, you, you have to focus to read that and get what he wants you to get out of it. Yes. And yeah, there, well, there, there's also a bit of like you have to, uh, you kind of have to play writer as well because you have to add in the words that have right, been omitted exactly. from the sentences. And, so and, 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 and be known that I don't, I love Jeff Golden. Oh, yeah. I, and, uh, I'm not he's saying anything bad about him. I'm thinking. Performer, uh, and his story is really good. He's got a really cool he's story. He's got a super uh, solid story. And yeah. it's very, very detailed. Like, it's so, it's almost like you're there. Like, he's got that steel trap memory. He's a, and yeah. yeah, he knows how to tell a story. And he he knows just doesn't how know to, how to put it down in, in, with his fingers on, onto a keyboard. He is phenomenal at the cliffhanger. Right. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, every chapter leaves you uh, in, in, in wait. You are so if he gets it professionally edited, I'm sure there's lots of Dothan people, especially in the older crowd, the people who go to his yeah. shows, who are going to eat it up. They're going to love it. Absolutely. But I think I think I did read where he was. Uh, he did say this is not the final. This, yeah. Well, the, he did the, say that, and yeah. he also stopped writing it. He says this is all you're getting right now. He says the book. He's he's in talks. He's smart, a marketing right? genius, smart, man. Yeah. yeah, smart way to market. Yeah. You know, he's like this is it. And he said the book will be out by the end of the year, so he's working on it. But, but fool's talk, chomping at the bit right now, waiting for that dude. And talking about music, you know, he's he is uh, he'd be interesting to talk to too because he's been playing around here. Uh, if you read his book, you would definitely know for uh, what seems like a hundred years. Yeah. Um, so you know, and he was doing his own stuff, writing his own stuff, and then you know, doing the tribute shows and um, right, reading his reading his memoirs mm-hmm. as they are. Um, yeah, it's fun to because we were in the music scene, and, and mm-hmm. part of the reason we're doing this podcast tonight is how divergent our musical experiences have been in right. this town. Right. And to add something like him into it and reading the things that Gets he that did. that super third dynamic. Like, it is, yeah, it is it, so different it's a than voice what that, we went, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a voice that we, we weren't familiar with so whatsoever. So different from yeah. what we went through. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of fun to read as somebody who did music in Dothan for a long time. Yeah. And, and back, you know, going back into, you, you know, you were learning to play the bass. Uh, Bobby Hill had come along and, you know, you guys were starting this thing up. I, on the other hand, was working at Dakota Coffee Works, the original Dakota Coffee Works over by Mama Rose's that was, you know, and, and which, which became basically the sanctuary. But that wasn't the original, was it? There was the other well, one. Well, there, there was, there was the first coffee house. You right. Know, they, the other they, one was where they brewed the, or right. roasted the beans and, yeah. stuff. and yeah. sold cups of coffee, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that was the first coffee house, you know, and it was really uh, during the the time of Friends came out, you know, it was the boom of that because everybody was Central like, Central well, Perk. Well, we yeah, got to go to a coffee like, shop because that's what's right, cool. Right. They're like, well, I live in Dothan, Alabama, and I don't have trendy cool friends, but there's a coffee house where I can go try to meet some trendy cool friends. I do have a smelly cat. Which is right. why I always uh, pretended to be Ross when I was at uh, I, I always I'm doing that right I now. Was, <laughs> I always pretended to be, the what was the guy's the little bald guy that worked there? That's Gunter. Who, uh, Gunter. That's who I was wow. trying to be. I knew that my expectations hey man, were low. <laughs> I got I got friends on the brain. I can tell you everything about them. Oh, good. But I was, I was working there. Uh, well, I was hanging out there first. I was really young. Um, and I would, you know, I, once again, back before the days of uh, cell phones, and me and uh, one of uh, all of our friend Mike Burge were talking recently about how those days were really great because Friday night would come and you had no way to know what anybody was going to be doing, so you all met at Dakota. That was like the you know you started there. It was the epicenter, right? Of right. Social. So, I mean, there was actually there were two schools. There were the Books a Million kids, right? And then there were the Dakota kids. I never was part of the Books a Million. I, I wasn't yeah. either. I, I, I got like, friends now that were totally into it. <laughs> You're right. You right. know, Patrick Perka, Ashley Pock. Yeah. Those are two of my best friends. You know, I love those dudes for right. life. They worked for me for a while. I love those dudes, but they are a different crowd, and they went through different shit. And yeah. it's just like the Jeff Golden thing. Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like he it was had more, different experiences. It was so, more of a, a of a goth kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we used to call uh, Ashley Pock the Lizard King. Right. Um, well, because he dressed Jim Morrison. He dressed like Jim Morrison, basically. Yeah, the first time I ever met that guy was at the mall back when uh, back when they would have bookstores in the mall. Remember Walden Books? Maybe was is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carrie yeah. used to work there. Next, yeah. to Lect- yep. next to Lectors. Yep, next to Lectors. And heck yeah, Ashley Park had this uh, this flowing uh, Auburn Mainish looking hair and a bl- it was something of a blouse. I mean, it was not a shirt and leather pants. And I remember being like Lizard King. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the sun today? You know, and it's like, you know, he, he was he's such a good dude, but. But yeah, so Dakota, everybody, you know, you'd meet there, and uh, and what you would find there would be um, people in the parking lot with guitar, acoustic guitars, and you know, and, and it was, um, it was really diversified even then. You know, you had uh, you had punk rock guys, and you had uh, you had metalheads that act like they hated everything, but they didn't, and 
Cheers uh, to that. And then the school, I, <laughs> and the school I came from was the this kind of folk. Uh, Singer, More laid back singer songwriter acoustic kind of stuff where the show's not and like then you a, have people with skin diseases and you know like, and 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 uh <laughs> and, and 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 people who were deaf but you weren't really sure sometimes it, who still makes appearances all over this town <laughs> that dude right? chased me up the stairs at eagle outfitters the other day with a notepad i said sorry reggie not today I, I, I saw him tweak brad's nipple one time it was the best he, thing I've he ever did seen. do that uh and it was he well, so you know what I'll, I'll tell you that story real quick he what this guy in particular would carry a pad around with him and just, go, and just kind of you know and, and he would communicate with you and he hung out at Dakota a lot he was a uh, deaf and mute um, he was not blind and he could not play a mean pinball but he had but a lot he <laughs> had a lot to say he had a lot to say and but so he was really kind of cool you know he'd come over with his little pad and he'd write down to you and you'd communicate back and forth with him um, but he one day and I think it was during a Haji and the Turban show um, he he was what he was doing was he was asking if you were going to play tonight. This is what yeah. he was doing. Yeah. But he didn't have his pad out, and so he was trying to mime it to you. Right, which is like, you know, like miming playing a guitar. So he's miming playing a guitar. And then instead of pointing at you, he just reached over and gently... And just tweaked, tweaked your nipple. Tweaked my nipple. Mm-hmm. And we were... Checking levels. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Michael, <laughs> Michael here got, got uh, a, a, a very extended years of pleasure out of that. Yeah. Still happening. I still, I still smile when I think that. It's funny. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. But I was I was working at Dakota, and um, uh, David Myers um, was a great singer, uh, guitar player from around here. We were we went to school together. He was older than me, uh, but he worked at Dakota as well. And I had just kind of gotten hired at Dakota, you know, as a little part time thing. I was only fifteen years old, and we both had acoustic guitars. And a lot of times there, there was, and if you remember, you'll remember this. There was the cigar room at Dakota. Yep, I remember that. And it was this room that was set off to the side that you know. And I worked, at, I worked at Dakota. That's where Dis- the, the nice couches were. Right, a disclaimer. My age. That conference up, table. I worked there for fourteen years, on and off. Um, but we never rented that room for anybody. Uh, it was like, but it was the nicest room in the building. Right. So you had these leather couches and leather chairs, and what would happen was that room was built because they used to sell higher end cigars, and uh, so if you bought one with your cup of coffee, you could go you back go in there, there and, and yeah, you could go and sit and, and talk and have like a private kind of situation where you could sit and talk yeah. to people. Um, but what, what we used it for was every night we'd get off and we would just stay in the building, and the management was really cool and they'd let us do this, and we would just go back in that room and uh, we just play guitar. So me and David Myers and David had been playing with a guy named um, Patrick Wright. You remember Patrick Wright? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we called him, called him Pat. Great guy. Great guitar player. Um, and he kind of brought him into the fold. One of the nerdiest dudes I've ever met in my life, but just the, I absolutely To this day, the, the the absolute cleanest guitar player on planet Earth. Absolutely. And he, he could play with his fingers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he never missed he a never, note on anything. Never, yeah, he was, I don't you know, think I ever was, saw him use a pick. No, and, and Dave and him had been writing some songs, and uh, and I was you know I was like fourteen or fifteen years old, and we started. I think the first song we ever did together was uh, we we did Creep by Radiohead, and we worked it up, and we worked up a three part harmony, and uh, three different guitar parts that kind of overlaid each other, and from then on I was really really hooked on playing music because it was like oh we just kind of you know we took something that was in the universe five minutes ago, and now we've created something that you know it's not ours but we put a take on it or a spin on it that is. Mm-hmm unique to that uh to us yeah i and, get that yeah and we yeah and so you know i know you know how that feels it's really yeah, it's yeah. a really cool thing even if it's not your original work to give it a different flavor you know a different life um which has always been my biggest thing um and so yeah we so we started doing that and around you know at this time uh back to you was haji was uh you know it's the biggest thing in town 
And it, you know, if you want to talk about how you guys kind of started up and did well, what I you mean, did. yeah. So at that point, when you're starting up this acoustical roots and you're working at Dakota, Haji already had a couple years of like building and creating and wading through just bullcrap playing at houses playing at wherever houses. you could we played at um abandoned houses we played at people's houses when their parents were out of town we rented out the um ballroom at the holiday inn across mm-hmm. from yeah. bruno's mm-hmm. we um rented out the ballroom at the ramada inn we um which we actually stole that idea from again matt walker when he was in the scene he rented out the ballroom for a big show and so we we're like that's a great idea yeah, so why we, not? we did that and how much like, okay at the time how much would that have been how oh much gosh i don't even know it, it, it was a couple hundred bucks it wasn't much well, you know it wasn't being used it's a, it's a like, good sized room oh yeah we fit so many. that was right yeah, yeah. I, remember biggest, going, I went to those shows I, aside I was there. from the civic center when how did you play the civic center aside from that which i played that as well yeah i kind of did yeah you did you were on stage you were there aside from that i think the ramada Inn holiday Inn, those ballrooms those were the biggest venues we played in town because they were huge they were made for like a bunch of bunch of people you know but so um we would go out to enterprise and we play at the ko corral oh yeah Yeah, with bands like clown house trance was around then trance was around uh but i think uh i don't think trance was playing at at ko corral forthright was around trance played at dakota red goat Hades Transmission. Red um, Goat never played KO though. Um, they more played. You sure. They Wasn't played, Lawrence Eaton in that? Yeah, but they played stuff like I think they played like the the playground and stuff like that. Yeah, like they yeah. Did. See, that was years later. Right, right. So, um, um, but that sandbox was, you know, oh, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> um, or the VFW on the south end of town, or over in Taylor. Like uh, I've we, seen a million shows there too. But that again, that was Matt Walker's influence too, because he rented out the VFW in Daleville and mm-hmm. brought less than Jake when they were on their tour for oh, Pezcor, that is and so nobody ridiculous. knew who they were. They um, and I was in love with them because mm-hmm. he said, "I booked this band. They're a ska band. I know you like ska." And he gave me the tape, and he gave me um, uh, he gave me a sampler for Pezcor, so I had like three songs on it, and so I was just in love. And again, when I'm telling you, Matt Walker set up all of the punk rock uh you know the he was the the, the top of the waterfall yeah. and everything trickled down from there I'm, and he in and to, and to be noted he is still living that lifestyle today he, he, is, Nashville, he lives right? in thrashville yeah yeah he's thrashville. Uh, that's what he I, calls it you know I, I remember i went um maybe five years ago we all went to um we saw iron maiden in atlanta mm-hmm. and so uh, my sister who lived in nashville was going to meet us if she she was meeting me in atlanta and it was, it was me and my wife and a couple other people and uh, she shows up with Matt Walker and his girlfriend at the time, or currently, I'm not sure. But um, And we met in Little Five Points, you know, we're hanging out down there, and Matt has got, like, um, full, and it's it's July in Atlanta. He's got outside. a leather jacket on yeah, for no course, reason. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. hotter than 50 hells in there. Homeboy never answered his door or got his mail without his Trademark, leather jacket. Trademark <laughs> leather jacket. Not even, not as it a leather jacket, it is like a fully studded leather jacket, you know. And there was times where he was very casualties like Liberty Spikes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? oh, yeah. He's the first yeah. person I ever saw in person with that, with yeah. that look. But he'd rock know? that thing without a shirt under it, too, if yeah. the weather permitted. That's right. And the very, and the weather was very, always, very, very sex pistols, you know. Like uh, um, scrawny and 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 hot, I guess. You yeah. Know, you're, you're, because not not hot as in like wow, that's attractive. As in like Man, he might he might right have now. a he might have a heat coma. <laughs> it's, it's super humid in that jacket. <laughs> Man, I learned everything about promoting music from Matt Walker. Like he booked so many shows, and I went to so many of them. And he was like basically without knowing it, he wasn't teaching me but sure. by watching him I learned how to promote music and I learned how to book shows mm-hmm. and so everything I ever did with Haji I learned by watching Matt Walker do in the Dothan music scene Yeah. so 
then I started to do it for Haji, right? And so when I'm talking about those years before our, our paths crossed at Dakota, right. it was me trying to emulate what I had seen Matt Walker mm-hmm. successfully do. And, you know, I, I think I've talked to him before, and he said it was it was a joke. It was a sham never, the whole time? No, 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 but it was a joke. He's like, it wasn't successful. Like, you know. It nobody, looked good because you were 15. Well, and right. It, I was but you, you, were, you were young, and you were falling in love with something that you weren't exposed right. to before. So, But they were, good, they were good shows. Now, on the flip side... Haji took it to a different level once we got big. Yeah. So we, you know, when we were little and unknown, we were playing to 20 people and mm-hmm. everybody stood around. They didn't have smartphones, but they weren't dancing and they weren't singing. Everybody's vibing each other. And they're just kind well, of. Basically, they're, basically they're, they're doing what everybody does with a smartphone now, but they're just judging you. Right. And they're just, they're there to support But they're the waiting scene. for the first person to be like, oh, this is cool. And as soon as that one person does it, they're like, right. oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Every is show, awesome. every right. show needs to bring their own icebreaker from now on. Every band <laughs> you know what, bring you know their what own you icebreaker. Do? You, well, should, you should hire a professional icebreaker, the was, guy that comes out there and is just like, <laughs> This band is awesome. Oh, hi, man. Yeah. Rob, Rob Harris. Uh, well, I was talking about the, um, the the Holiday Inn show. I was looking at pictures of it the other day. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's like this big, humongous thing, right? But I'm looking at the pictures. People were sitting down cross-legged watching us play. That's how shows were at a... Uh, and, and if you're not familiar with Hodgson Turbans, Turbans, they were um, a ska punk ska band. Ska punk band. Right, pop, kind of pop punk ska stuff that was very upbeat. Uh, very, very danceable. Even if you didn't dance, you you danced. Very fast. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very fast. We one, got faster. One, two, three, we four, five, along. six, seven, eight kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah like exactly. Very, very, very fast. And so I'm looking back at these pictures and I'm like, what in the world? People are sitting cross legged watching I remember this play. everybody crowd surfing. Right. But that was later. <laughs> yeah. So in this one, uh, we had a we had Rob Harris come up and, you know, now he's a stand up comedian, right? He does a, yeah. But at the time, he just got up on stage and he did the rerun in front of all these people. He just got up and did the rerun <laughs> in front of everybody. And that kind of got the night going. He was yeah. the he was the catalyst that got people off their feet. And that, it was it was perfect. Um, sorry, I just popped the mic. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry. Take a swig of beer here. So where I was going with this was that um, yeah. So Haji had these intervening years before we met each other, mm-hmm. and it was a yeah. lot of hard work, and we waded through bullshit. Uh, and the thing is, is we caught a lot of hate from a lot of other local bands because of the following that we created. But we only created this following. By busting our butts and playing a million shows with nobody there or 10 people right. there or 20 people there. And then when it came down to it, we said, like I said earlier, it needs to be singable. People have to sing yeah. along. And the only way people are going to know the lyrics is if you have an album. Mm-hmm. You got to have them listening to it all the time. So we, we did an album. And sold them out of a backpack of journeys. We did cassettes and CDs. And I don't know, remember yeah, cassettes. The, the, oh, more, yeah. we had the cassettes more we're talking, it's, um, you know, and... and Everybody sitting in this room right now are super close friends, um, you know, and some of my best friends on the entire planet. But I'm starting yeah. to think, yeah, me and Michael here, our paths crossed in, in our bands. We're talking about music here. Our bands that we were in, respectively, they it really did intertwine more than I started thinking about it because you just started talking about recording a record. When my band, who was called Acoustical Roots, which is a, a horrible band name, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> There's uh, still another one floating around. With a K. Like, is there really? <laughs> it was a popular thing in 1998 to come up with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Michael uh, was in Haji. Uh, we were in Acoustical Roots, um, two vastly different styles of music. Me and Michael, they were super right. close friends. And just for a frame of reference, we um, Haji started in about 95. Okay, so you guys started in 95. I would say we started in 99. We, would, we ended at about 2001, I think. And we probably ended in 2004. So roughly maybe the same kind of... We had, we had a few years of overlap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but roughly about the same time. But 
when we recorded our record, and we the same because it's the same thing, and we were in a totally different genre of music, and we and we're gonna I think just get, get into this a little later. Um, whereas you guys were doing the DIY kind of do it yourself house shows, booking uh, the ballrooms at local hotels, we were playing in bars. And doing that scene from here to Auburn to Tuscaloosa, right to Mobile to Birmingham. You know, we did all that stuff, and we would go on these little mini tours and stuff, and do all that. And but but when we recorded our record, Patrick Hobby, the second guitar player and and, sax player for my band, right, who recorded our record uh, in a garage. We soundproofed it, you know, and we recorded this record. We did all live. The whole thing was was it on a Tascam. It was on a Tascam, which belonged to... Bobby Hill. Yeah. That was Bobby Hill's Tascam. Yeah. That was that four-track. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> later on, and, 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 and this is when it, you know, this is uh, this is where it gets spooky. Uh, I, I ended up in another great, great, great band that was really popular around here called For the Birds. Surprise. With Bobby, Bobby Hill, Hill from Haji and the Turbans and Patrick, and Patrick Hobby. Hobby. <laughs> so, yeah, the, 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 the intertwining there is, is, is pretty thick. Yeah, when you stop, when you look back, when you step back and look at it, there was so much of that, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you can call it uh, musical. Um, I just drew a blank. Um, when uh, I'm just gonna judge you, I'm just gonna stare. Just at you stare at me judgingly until I come up with the word. We were, I gotta close my eyes. I can't look at your. No we pressure, were weaving man. weaving a musical tapestry, um, if you will. Oh, okay, yeah, that's better because well, I was, the, I was gonna talk about uh, family having sex with each other. Yeah. Incest, well, yeah, no, yeah. The, incest, musical incest. It was Dothan yeah. musical incest. You couldn't come up. with I that couldn't word? come up with incest. Yeah, no, I'm from right. Alabama. I he was like, it was incest. musicals, brothers, it's repressed, and, dude. it was musical brothers and sisters sleeping with each other. It was That's because, what it was. and it felt like, and and you know, this again, this was years later. This was after Haji was done. This was after 2001. But you're one of my best friends in the world, mm-hmm. and these two dudes, um, I grew up playing music together we, we we you know we came together without musical talent really and yeah. we, we right. formed this band and we for years struggled against the uh the flow of like no talent and we eventually got there um but then when i left i was so jealous when you guys were playing together i, I remember like, this i was like oh i hate you guys and david was playing bass for you guys right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i was uh, just like i'm gonna kill that guy i never met him in my life i'm, like, I'm gonna kill him I, well you could have but uh <laughs> this is good but no no but um. Well, I, mean, I remember. I remember we we started this band called For the Birds, and 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 not to go into the whole thing. We'll go back to our first bands, I guess. But after uh, Haji disbanded, and I had moved to Auburn and was doing acoustics full time because we were playing there. I mean, you know, we were, we had a steady stream. Of, I remember you coming to Auburn and seeing us play. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, and we covered a Haji song when you guys came. We I think we did. She likes the saxophone when yep. you guys would come. You to sure like did. Real, without a saxophone. Yeah, without a saxophone. There was a saxophone nary inside. It was real country, uh, folky, <laughs> finger picking. Nothing like the original, but uh, but because you you were such a good friend, we wanted to do that. But uh, and then you know I I had quit acoustical roots. I, I decided that I. I didn't want to do that anymore. It wasn't really where I wanted to go. And it was I, no longer about the music, man. <laughs> what, dude? When you it start was, doing that as a full time job, and like you pick up hours at Journeys or whatever you're doing, yeah. Hey, like, I know about Journeys. Well, we all well, also I, work there. We, because we all. That's again. There's another interwoven yeah, thread. Is like I was the manager of Journeys for so long, and then I hired you. Worked for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. That you worked at the Dothan Journeys after mm-hmm. I left. Yeah. For I, I worked. I worked for you in Columbus, Georgia, yep. which is where I was living in Auburn. And I was playing three or four nights a week, and then I would drive and work for you like twenty hours a week. 
um, with Ashley Park, the Lizard King, was also there. That's right. right. So he was look, my look, assistant. Look yeah. how this all connects. I'm telling you, it all comes together because I, I stole Ashley Park and uh, Patrick Prickett from in front of uh, Books Million. I just rolled up in a van and jumped out, threw them in, and I took them to Columbus with me and made them my assistants. And, you know, I love those dudes. Um, but I didn't really steal them. Just It was talked saying. about a few minutes before the stealing happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's but I had quit Acoustical Roots, and you, you, know, you had gotten married, and, you know, and your wife had uh, gotten her degree. And uh, I, had, I was living in Auburn. I decided to move back to Dothan. And then uh, I started hanging out with uh, really great musicians from Dothan, Alabama, um, Kevin Scott. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, just a complete the bass player of all bass players. Right. Yeah. Now he's like playing with Bernard Purdy here and oh, there. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. this this he's dude. Playing, he's playing dream. with he's playing with the, the literally the greatest living drummer on the planet. They're friends and they play. But he, he's earned it. We talked about that some last night too. That yeah, like you know he he you know he gave up his life here and went up there and was dedicated you know, his right, life yeah, to making oh, it yeah. happen. And he's made it happen. And right. it's Impressive. Like playing with the Almond Brothers and doing you know it's like, right. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, dude, the dude's living the dream. And he deserves it. Like, you know, yeah, like absolutely. The crazy total, thing is he's like six years younger than both of us. Right. Like, yeah. Total he's a admiration. Child. He's a goddamn yeah. child. Sorry, course, excuse me. He, of course, he looks like uh, like a, a grizzled old man. And he does look like, but he's a child and he is just so talented. And it's in his yeah. blood. He's just like this. I mean, his dad is, his dad is the greatest, the greatest musician from Dothan, Alabama. David, David Atkins. Atkins. Crazy. Bar none, the greatest musician I've ever heard in my life. Of, of any band I've seen live, and I've seen, you know, tons of live bands. Uh but I came back and I started hanging out with guys like that and Taylor Cahey, who was a, just a monster guitar player. Shredding. Uh, Tony Stafiro, great saxophone player, great... Uh, a, James Curtis. A total nerd. The Curtis boys. Oh, great. And then, yeah. and then you got the Worsler boys. There was some right, there was dude, insane musicians in yeah. Dublin. Yeah, Amel's in Chimera right now currently, living in Canada, dating the drummer from Kitty. I mean, yeah. you, are you just, kidding me? You know, no, actually, that's, that's I, a real I, story. I know, I that's what I'm saying. I yeah. told Michael this. I told Michael, we were, we were swimming in your pool, what... Two, oh, three two, days ago, a couple days ago, and we were talking. We got talking about. I guess we were talking about this podcast and what we would talk about when we when we were sitting down, like maybe some ideas and stuff. And we were talking about Dothan music scene and and I think trance, which was Emil and his, his brother Evan uh, Worsler, Evan Worsler. Jeff Isbell, yeah, Greg Jeff Coker. Isbell, yeah, mm-hmm. he was the yeah. singer, right? Yeah, yeah. great band, uh, very heavy band for the time too. Oh like, yeah, you know, really kind of a it's super a, Pantera. It's a, it's a confusing name now. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like a rave, right? Because you think, oh, has <laughs> sure. everybody got glow sticks? Like, well, no, this, this I brought was, that up was, to him. This then. is the year two thousand. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, dude, I'm, I keep showing up at your shows thinking that I need to bring my pacifier and some, <laughs> some Vicks vapor, yeah, some Vicks, oh yeah. And <laughs> I was like, we've got to do something about this. Drink like, plenty of water, guys. Drink plenty right. of water. Yeah, but <laughs> try the frozen mocha. It's good. <laughs> There's nobody blowing up at the shows. There was just everybody just throwing each other around. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but you know, that, I mean, you know, I came back and I was hanging out with guys like that and. It made me a better musician, even though I wasn't really doing the same music they were doing. Uh, Just jamming. Well, yeah, because they, they were so what? much more advanced than me. It, well, that's the thing. I had just been playing, you know, chords and, and, and just learning songs. And but that's still all, what I'm doing. Well, no, no. But but all of a sudden, I was like, I started developing this style overnight, you know, and I started like, I was like, I, you know, I was like, I'm not a lead guitar player, and I'm never going to be a lead guitar player. I don't really want to be a lead guitar player. Uh, but I really want to start like finger picking stuff, and and I, you know, and I remember I, when you started learning finger picking. Yeah, yeah, and I and I just dedicated I every day because like, all you I were did all about it. Yeah. yeah, and I was like lame, and now I'm like, oh, it's so yeah, cool. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's so cool. <laughs> my favorite things to do, like one of my favorite things to do earlier was when Brad would write a really intricate song, is I would just look at it. Listen to it for a minute. Walk in the other room, figure it out like some half-ass, like poor man's version. It was always half-ass, but back. it was always better than what people that would play with me. And I'm not bragging about that, but when people would like sit down and play, 
Justin in five minutes, a drunk Justin could figure out. Oh, I got this. A, a very uh, on know. what on the guitar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, even play yeah. guitar. Like I don't play guitar at all. My dad does, <laughs> but like, and my brother does, but. So you just go figure out like this like poor man's version of his song. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and he'd come the most degrading thing. I'd be like, check this out, smartass. (laughs) But (laughs) but here's the thing. Look at me. Here's the thing. It would sound really, really good, and it was forty times easier than the way that I had played it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, you son of a bitch. Like, how did you figure out (laughs) to make it? You know. Yeah, that's that's because I I don't. I obviously because I don't play um, guitar for anybody. Like I dick around on it playing. Waiting for like a video to upload or something, mm-hmm. um, but I just never had any formal training, so I was just like, "This makes sense." I'm there with you. I'll no rattle off on this for a minute. And I mean, I, I played trombone for years and years and years in the band, but the the bass, like, just uh, well, yeah. And, and, then, and, and, and I think and you can tell <laughs> on this well, on the same path here. Uh, de- talking about we're talking about developing styles, and I think that's really what it takes. Like, if you're going to do anything original right. with music, if you're going to be a successful band, and 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 if you look at the bands that did do well in mm-hmm. this town, really it was about developing styles, and that's right. where our our bands, while they were very different, they each had like this very specific tangible style that played to a certain type. Yeah, of you find people. your niche. Yeah, and everybody right. that's into and that, you know, shows that up. sounds that sounds like, of course, that's common sense, but it's not, not when you're a kid, right? Because no, everyone's like, I like this band. I'm gonna, be, yeah. You gonna... want people to, you want to play something that you're gonna have a lot of people there, and you're having a good time, and everybody else is having a good time. But when you're a fir- first, like upcoming band, and you don't have an album, you don't have anything going on, How and they're they're trying them? to judge your band by a flyer. Yep. That right. was just black and white and off the of Xerox. Once, once again, kids that are listening, uh, back then you didn't have Facebook and 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 <laughs> to if, promote shows you and had events. To yeah, you make had to a piece of paper <laughs> and take it to Kinkos. What, what you did was you got your friend that smoked a lot of weed that was good. A good artist drew up something for you, uh, and then or, or you, you did what I did and just cut up magazines. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that then that of course goes back to the, the, the punk, punk rock. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, our flyers were just cut up magazines and a couple. We would get Jacob Edwards who who didn't smoke weed, but. Uh, Jacob, maybe Jacob Edwards. Now he would he would draw. I remember I would and I would always tell Jacob. Jacob would be like, uh, you know, he's one, he's one of my best friends on the planet, and he's an incredible artist. And you guys should check him out online. Jacob Y. Edwards, uh, I think, as you can look him up on Facebook. He does some really weird, grotesque, yeah, very kills very it. disturbing, very disturbing kind of images. Dolly, but it's do, it's like very do, Ralph Steadman Dolly right, ran into and each it, other. Full but speed. it's like incredible. Oh, it's amazing! I've got several pieces framed in my house. He's a great guy. But he would, you know, growing up, we were best friends growing up, and uh, he'd always be like, well, "Why do you come up with these great ideas for flyers and, and and pieces of art, but you can't draw worth anything?" <laughs> like, That's exactly what J- Jacob sounds like too. He sound nothing, <laughs> nothing like that, like that at all. <laughs> Nothing like yeah. that. He's but, like, I have anal fissures. <laughs> That's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. But but I the, and this is but I want to I want to touch on this because me and Michael uh, coming from very Michael uh, you are uh, maybe three years older than me I think maybe uh, four years older. When than did you me. graduate? Oh one. I graduated ninety seven. So you're four years older than me. You were out of high school when I got in. Uh, but we had a lot of the same friends, and because of Dakota, we became really good friends and. Michael was very, uh, very punk rock, very uh, straight edge, aggressive. Aggressive would be the word you're looking for. (laughs) And I, uh, I've had this dumb voice my entire life. Uh, You always sound like a bullfrog. Yeah, just this deep voice. voice. And I had a huge afro. And uh, and, (laughs) yeah, you did. And and you know what was so funny was that I was, uh, I was best friends with you and and uh, Mike Burge and all those guys. 
And a lot of the punk kids, they hated me because of the way I looked because I wore like uh, polo shirts. That's and true. Birkenstocks. Short you, shorts. You remember you had those Birkenstocks that yeah. said contain the souls of thousands of, you know, <laughs> tortured Every thousands. Listen, let's be honest. Everybody with a pair of Birkenstocks. The, all their uh, Birkenstocks. Right, it's are the worst. Con- yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's awful. But uh, Pure death in there. But. But I would, you know, I'd come. I remember I would come see you guys play, and I'd always be hanging out with you afterwards. And I remember a lot of people being like, "Why do you hang out with that guy?" And I remember you, everyone's like, "Cause he's our friend. He's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like he's our buddy and <laughs> one of the best dudes in the world." But that, but that was that. that there was such a cool camaraderie uh, back then between everybody. Give me one, baby. There was this really cool camaraderie between everybody, and but I'm gonna tell a really funny story because this is uh, so Haji, uh, you know, to because. Because we're, we're such good friends, we're, we're talking about a bunch of random stuff. But Haji uh, was... I would love, by the way, I would love to see the timeline of this discussion drawn out in a map. So like oh every, time, every time we discuss something, <laughs> it shows the time. and Because we're jumping back and forth so much. It's we're like going, quantum leap. It is, yeah. We're going back and forth. So we're not being linear. Turtles in, in time. Right. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> we are three turtles in time. Boys. So ridiculous. Right and, now, we are and three when we leave in time. here, God knows what we'll do next. Right. Uh, uh, you know. But yeah, yeah. So t- we are jumping back and forth. So these stories aren't linear. But just no, they're bear not. with but us and just Haji. Um, and I'll let Michael touch on this too. But it's it's a funny. So we talked about this story the other night too. Uh, Michael Haji had uh, had released their record "Stare at the Moon," which is still one of my favorite albums of all time. Thank you, sir. Hugely influential to me too, because um, because. What we were doing, we were playing. It was two different worlds. Like you guys were playing for kids, which is what I wanted to do, and I ended up doing. But we did more of the bar scene and a lot of cover songs. Although we, we You're had playing originals, to adults drinking, and they want to sing along to songs they knew from their. They want to sing David Allen Coe songs, all right? Them. And we would, we would give David Allen Coe songs, but but you know, can I hear we, that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> but we would we would splice in our original stuff too. That was really important to us. It was like you know we'll play the cover songs because that's, that's how the good ones do it, right? But we're going to play our real stuff too, and we we sold a lot of records that way, you know. And it was you know so it was a lot of fun, but it was just a different scale. And what you guys were doing was no covers or a, an occasional cover that you our, had worked our, up. Our philosophy on covers was we would play unexpected covers. So every cover we did was a song made popular by a woman, and except for the Eric Clapton song, that was I forget why we did that. But we always would do That's my favorite Hodge song. Going going back to when Cindy <laughs> Pappen was <laughs> going back to when Cindy Pappen was in the band, we always did like Go Go's covers, and and the, our most famous cover was that Tori Amos cover, mm. you know, and that was on the album, which is amazing, yeah. And we had to we actually had to like you know get permission from her agent to get, like use it. That's for, crazy, yeah. So we had to pay for it, and um, we didn't pay much. They were like laughing at how many albums we were getting. They're like, oh, that's all, just yeah. a thousand copies, you know. But hey, we sold all thousand of them. So I've still got a burnt verbatim disc that I bought from you. Yeah, with that album on it, or some of that album on it. I think it was before. It was probably. It was probably like. It was I, like I, a first demo situation. Yeah. He paid five dollars. He got paid half the album. Fifty hundred dollars. Yeah. Fifty hundred. <laughs> Fifty. Yeah. I paid fifty hundred dollars for this record. <laughs> that Malaysia currency got you backwards, son. Man, I know, right? But uh, for my, those who are listening, I do live in Malaysia currently. I spent the past four years living in China, and now I live in Malaysia. But yeah, I'm, listen, listen to all the podcasts. You'll you'll run across this. Yeah, too. you'll yeah, get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. you'll get it. I'm so, a return. So Michael, uh, Michael had that you had recorded this record called "Stare at the Moon," and it was a. Uh, it was a big deal in Dothan, you know, and I remember the buzz being around about that. It was like, you know, oh, my God, I, you know, the record's here. Like, it's going to be coming out this Saturday. And I remember um, you gave me an early copy of it. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, typical, this goes back to how aggressive Michael was back then, <laughs> uh, grabbed me by the face, I think, and threw me. He's like, and if you let anybody hear this record, 
you will. That's be exactly dead. how I talk. You know, and I was like, I, I, I'm not going to let any anybody hear it. Uh, I'm just so glad that and you're like, you can have it, but no one else. You know. Was, was <laughs> why, why am I? Why am I yeah. Satan in this yeah. story? Well, because the, you were mean and you threw stuff at me a lot. But I um, was aggressive. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's cool. But okay, so you guys go on tour, right? And you want to talk about that? Like, uh, you guys yeah. want to take a break and then we'll come back. Yeah, let's take yeah, a, let's take that. a quick break. Uh, listen, during this recess, we're going to hear from nobody because it's going to immediately start back when we get back. I can drop commercials in. You want to make up a bunch of fake businesses to Harry, plug? What we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll uh, have me and Brad record some songs later, and we'll we'll put these in now. All right, we can <laughs> do that. Commercials for we'll local just, businesses we'll just that come, don't exist. We can right. take this recorder out to the plug house next week and just record some of that set and then dump it in. Yeah, that's cool. I think that could work. That could work. And All I don't right. have to get Bobby's permission. That's right, because you got mine. That's right. And we are back, episode 22, 3, 23, 24, 20, Turn into a just straight up auctioneer. It's one, rattling it's, off it's one of them episodes. Yeah, it's we gonna... back with uh, Brad Clayton and Mike Bush, both local musicians. Um, <laughs> Mike Bush is Boy, not yeah. so local nowadays because he's in Malaysia, killing yeah. it. But uh, Killing it. Killing so, it by just sitting there writing books for a living. <laughs> that's right. So when we, when we left, um, we were talking about... Going on tour. Going on tour, right. So, we we talked about earlier uh, about Haji had to pay our dues. Yes. And then we recorded the album, and then things started to change because people knew the songs. And once people knew the songs, the shows got way more interesting and way more interactive. Yeah. And so you have sing-alongs in the middle of a chorus or whatever, and, and people start showing up. You got Justin Holmes grabbing the mic, <laughs> little gecko being emo on the mic. Right. And so, you know, it went from. <clears throat> Hey, we're playing to 20 people who are indifferent, mm-hmm. who after the show were like, great job. We love you guys. You're awesome. Yeah. They buy our shirts. We had, you know, at one point we had Pepsi, uh, Buffalo Rock. They mm-hmm. sponsored Haji shirts. And yeah. This was back before we had a following. And they, they paid for us to have shirts. And they just put the Pepsi logo on the sleeve. So we had these Haji shirts with the Pepsi logo on the sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I remember those things. Yeah. So, so once we recorded the album, things started to change. And people started to show up. And then... That was when we started playing Dakota. Yeah. And we had just hundreds of people filling this coffee shop up. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? standing on couches, like there were, I piled mean, up on each other. There was one point where they, they, they had to start turning people away, and then they just charged people who were sitting outside. So the average um, turnout for our shows at Dakota, during the Dakota days, our average turnout was four to 500 people. Yeah. Which is Keep insane. In mind, it's this absurd, is Dothan, Alabama, sure. a local band. With their original songs, right, and that's insane before for before the internet. I mean, the internet was not readily available in your pocket everywhere you went. You know no. what I mean? I mean, people had MySpace at the time, but they weren't. Um, it wasn't. There was. It wasn't a promotion thing back then. No, it no, was, no, no, no. It, it was just like it was like Live Journal and yeah, 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 MySpace, and that was and it. So Friendster. no one was really promoting things at that time. So we would put stuff on MySpace, but the real way to get people was I was working at Journeys at the time, like mm-hmm. we talked about, and I it was all. Word paper of mouth flyers. and paper flyers. And we used to go and we would hand out flyers at the mall. And um, back then there was a, a, a security guard at the mall that we called Bubbles. All right. Okay. And I'm sure uh, I know this dude. Does he have a Fu Manchu? No, he, oh, he was the old dude one. with the big gut and he had the big, oh, yeah, big yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah. We called him Bubbles. 
And um, he used to kick us out all the time for passing out flyers. And I remember one time Chris Granger threw a lit cigarette in his face. <laughs> and we, we, were, we were in the parking lot. Oi, we, were, we were already right. leaving, and he came and chased us out. And he was like, you guys can't pass out flyers. And we're like, we don't have any flyers. Yeah, we ran out. And he, Yeah, we ran out. And he was like, but you were passing out flyers. And we're like, prove it. And then, yeah. and then he was like, I'm, I'm going you know, to take you guys back inside. And Chris Granger just flicked a lit cigarette in his face. And then we ran to the car. Oi, 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 oi. Yep. Uh, so okay, so Punk rock life. So shows were getting big, and we were we were like turning a profit. We were mm-hmm. making money yeah. off of playing shows, and it was incredible. It was five bucks a piece, and five bucks a piece, five hundred people. We split the door fifty fifty with Tana. And, God, and, you're getting robbed. You know, yeah. But no, I mean, we won't but get into that. It was better. It's better than we can get anywhere else at the time. Oh sure, you know, especially because if you if you weren't playing, and you know, and and we'll get into later, there were places like Feature Players Theater. Uh, that would promote, but that came out. But that, that's what I'm saying. That was yeah. way later. Way later. Yeah, way later. Yeah. At the time, that was it. Was either we keep doing the DIY shit we were doing, or we work in conjunction with them. Mm-hmm. Now we did at one point go, okay, we got to start our own thing. Yeah. So me and Mike Burge started a um, a record label out of our house. Mm-hmm. You know, he was living on my couch, and we started Permanent Records, and it was just a way to distribute our own stuff. Right. Right. And then Dave Butterworth uh, got out of the army and came lived with us. And his dad gave him a big chunk of money to start a business. So mm-hmm. we started a record shop. So yeah. we had a record shop in town called Permanent Records. You could buy hardcore records and ska records and, and, and punk records. You could buy t-shirts. You could buy spike belts. You could buy vinyl. And you it was could, right next to a pawn shop on Montgomery Highway. Yeah, exactly. And it was really good. And we did really good business for a while. Yeah. But, you know, how things work. Yeah, up, kids ups, don't know what they're doing with businesses. Ups and downs. But... Then Those dudes definitely didn't know. They did not know. I was still working at Journeys at the time, so they were running the place. But what happened was is we started to put on shows there. Oh, yeah. And then we had we played with like some really cool bands there, and we would mm-hmm. bring touring bands in. And the way we paid rent every month was a Haji show. One Haji yep. show a month paid the rent. Yeah, because you're making, you know, and at the time, like you said, back 400 kids. At, at Permanent Records, it was usually about 250 to 300 because it was much smaller. Was small right, band. right. And yeah. it was... And they were crammed in. And I think, you know, because you got to think Dakota was more of a safe place uh, for parents to drop their kids off and be like... We had cops in the parking lot all the time yeah. at, at Permanent Records because they were just like, what the hell's going on yeah. here? And we had... Um, uh, what's Officer his? Wozniak. Wozniak. Bill Wozniak. Bill yeah. Wozniak was our friend and he was into punk rock. Mm-hmm. And so he would come to the record store and he would buy records. And so he was our, our, our ally on the force at the time. I ended up punching someone in front of him one time and he almost took me to jail. He was like, yeah. Michael... You cannot Come punch on. people yeah. right. in front of a police officer. And I, I remember going to those shows because it was uh, it was a different animal. Because uh, I think it was always like you know no smoking inside. And there's a lot that, more intimate yeah. setting too. Like you could go see bands from and and there's I know Dakota like there'd be two or three bands and one of them's Haji and the other one's like Trance, the Man Made Brain or Man-made whatever. Brain. Yeah, that was a cool band. Those guys killed. Uh, what yeah. was it? Uh, uh, Ashes of October. No, what was, it? What was their name? Ashes of October. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That band. And, and then uh, the Autumn. Children. Autumn, that, that was no. From that was autumn when, to ashes. No, autumn children. That was when we. What about rented out? Um, what's that uh, place? The basket case. Cafe. Yep, 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 yep. We did mm-hmm. that a few times. Yeah, the yeah. And that cafe. always seemed real sketchy in the end because it just like because they were like, we're a dinner theater, and yeah, you guys and, are destroying everything. You are saying expletives and breaking <laughs> things. And uh, do you remember the band that would come up and they, these these guys these guys were so they were, they were really cool actually. Uh, they would come up and play with you guys. Uh, they were from Niceville. Um, what was her name? The lead singer was a guy named Peter. Long blonde hair, real goth. What kind of? Oh, um, 
Fourth, not fourth. Ag- right. Agnostia. Yeah. No, they were good too. Was, I think it was his second band. You got they opened for you guys too. Um, I'm really trying to reach for this because uh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, because I because don't even know where the hell Niceville is. It's in Florida, so right outside of Destin. That's got to be Agnostia. It was the same guy, but Nick he, Flagstar, who's now Nick Flagstar and his uh, Mangy Dogs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That same guy. He was in that band, and but then they broke off and they did. Um, Jesus, man. I'll come to it in a minute. This is not good for live podcasts. Sorry. But. Well, okay. Well, moving, <laughs> it's all right. going back to what moving we were on. saying. So we had built we had built a following. We had released this album. We had released two albums. We had released one that was on Real to Real, and it was just self titled, and it had a bunch of songs on it. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. And that helped us a little bit. But what, it was Stare at the Moon when we released that album. That's when things really took off for us, right? Well, it looked like it was professionally put together, like the the case Eric Kent and the and artwork on it. Chris Granger did Look the artwork, real, like. and it was like beautiful. Yeah, and then uh, Eric Kent out of Ufala recorded it for us, and it was like it was just really well done. And it, I talked to him recently; he still plays music, and he's out and doing stuff. And he says it's still like the best album he ever recorded. He's like, yeah. uh, he's like, I've never done an album that good before, and or, or since. Um, so we 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 had built a following, and so we decided it is time for a tour. Yep, and um, and that was when we were going to release. Was the was the, the Dothan release. date? Yeah, we, the, the the Dothan release of Stare at the Moon. We were selling it all along the tour, and we had posters printed up. And, uh, you know, we went, we did basically a southeast tour. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the last date on the tour was Dakota Coffee Works, Dothan, Alabama, Saturday night, and there was this band, yeah, Acoustical Roots, yeah, those guys with Brad Clayton, <laughs> and they were going to open the show for us. Okay, now and so. I'm gonna tell you. I told we were talking about the story the other night. And we were we were laughing a lot about it because, once again, you you got a you got a um, very uh, uh, great upbeat punk band, right? And although I was in this band, Acoustic Roots, for almost seven years, and it started out just three guys on guitars. That was it. And that's why we called it that because it was just three acoustic guitars and three guys singing and playing. We did end up adding later on a trumpet player named Chris Cherry, who's a good friend of mine. He's a local, um, incredible musician. We ended up adding uh, a drummer and a bass player from Auburn that we played with for a while. You know, and, and, and our peak, I remember we played at a festival one time in, in Auburn for like 2,000 people. Yeah. And it was the craziest and scariest thing I'd ever seen. You know, it's like, <laughs> we're used to playing for 40 people in a bar, and now we're playing for all these people, and they're going crazy. And it was a lot of fun. But... At the time, it was still just three guitar players. Yeah, that's it, right? And at the Haji show, right? Right, right. right. Yeah, and so the, the you know, CD release, it was yeah, just yeah. three dudes. So Michael, had, Michael had come to me before the tour kicks off, and, and like I said before, he'd given me the record, and he was like, "Well, how about you guys open the show for us?" Because let's be honest, there wasn't a whole big, huge scene here. There was a few bands. I mean, I think, the, at the time, the scene literally was Haji and the Turbans, mm-hmm. and touring bands right because there were other bands at the time and and i'm not trying to discount them at all there was times of silence going on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was children there was um oh, we listed a bunch of others before this but the, you know um uh you know chad shepherd had the lightweight skyline yeah. drive um wasn't that still going on I think, at enterprise yeah. so yeah. There, there were a lot of yeah. bands but the problem was is they didn't have the following right right and 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 it's not to say they weren't good bands what it was is that we had built we had been working for a couple years to build this right, right, following. Right. And so then when they would play with us, people would be like, where's Haji? Yeah, and that's not our fault, but we used to catch sh- shit from these bands. Sure. Basically, because they were like, well, your that? fans are dicks. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. I remember I came off stage one time and two of the dudes from Children, like as I walked by, they went, rock star. 
And I'm like, I'm not a rock star. <laughs> I live in Dothan, Alabama. I work at Journeys. I work at Journeys. Like, I'm, I'm going to be at work at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. You know what <laughs> right. you're talking about? But they were just mad because like that's that's how it went. Right. And, and, and like I said, in hindsight, a lot of those people never really saw the hard work I think that you guys were doing. But but long story short, you know, you you guys were going to play this big Dothan short show, right? And, and so we were expecting. I was working. I worked at Dakota. We were expecting a huge turnout, and so and it was and it was. Uh, but Michael comes to me about a week before. He gives me the album. He's like, "This is this is for you. Don't let anybody hear this." <laughs> uh, that went on, and uh, things got weird for a while between us. And uh, <laughs> he let everybody hear it. Yeah, uh, uh, mama, uh, mama. As, uh, as, <laughs> As soon as uh, as soon as he he walked out of the parking lot, I was like, hey, "Everybody, come check." He was burning up. copies and yeah. selling left and right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, three dollars. Still living off that money. Yeah. yeah, that's how you pirated stuff in the in the old days. Yeah, you just burn it. Yeah, but the CD burner took forty eight minutes to burn one CD. <laughs> <laughs> so you come back in an hour, I'll get it for you. Yeah, well, Permanent Records, we had we bought we invested and bought a CD burner to burn all our CDs. Get a duplicator. Yeah, a duplicate. Five at a time. It took, no, it was one to one. And it took the entire length of the CD to burn one CD. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So 60 minutes, an hour. Well, yeah, it was 40 minutes. 40, I think it was 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. To burn one. And 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 you're like, we got to sell 300 of these tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody's not going to sleep. There's a lot of people who ain't getting CDs. Yes. But so give us the money. We'll put your name on the list. So, so Michael asks us. He oh, says uh, he comes. Time. It was bad. He comes to Michael, or he comes to me, and he says, uh, "Hey, you guys, Acoustical Roots, why don't you open up?" And, and because one, what was really cool was because they, they, I mean, even though they were such a big punk band and we were such a, not a big punk band, we got along really well. We were really good friends with all these people, and you know, there, there was this respect because we were, we had really work shed too. You know, we were working hard. We had played a lot of bars for nobody. Yeah. And we had started going on these little tours, playing up, and you know, we'd, we'd book like four dates in a row and go out on the road and do all this stuff. And so we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll open for you. So, and I, and I remember saying, I was like, you know, this is two different worlds. It's going to be weird. Yeah, this now, is going to be strange. Okay, Haji imagine had a long this. History. Imagine this, okay? Imagine getting, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Mumford and Sons mm-hmm. to open for the Misfits. The Misfits. <laughs> Okay, I wouldn't so, compare us to the Misfits, but and I wouldn't compare us to Mumford and Sons. But what I'm saying is, it's that drastic that, of a difference. That drastic difference, right? It's yeah. that so, much of a contrast. And, and the Misfits well, in this in this town are way more popular than Mumford and Sons, right? Right. So everybody coming there was like, "What in the hell is this? Like, Why are these we had dudes wearing history. plaid? Get off the stage, hippies!" Because right. Yeah. There were not a lot of punk bands. We had a long history of having different styles of music open for us. Right. So a lot of the bands that we've mentioned previously that were local bands, they would open for us, but they were nothing like us. Yeah. And that was part of the disconnect. But I always thought it was such a cool thing too. Though, I, thought, because, I liked right, it. Right. I, mean, I thought it was great. You meant your you're shit. Here's the scene. It's this is not a punk show. Here is the Dothan right. scene. Like this is and, what's and happening. Because Bobby, yeah. And because Bobby Hill This is what's happening. Be, be what's happening. Be, be, this, be, be we were what was happening. Bobby Hill uh, <laughs> Who was the singer for Haji? Um, he was but was also writing all these folk songs at the time too, and so there was a, there was a, a, a thread between everybody. You Absolutely, know, there, there yeah. was this there was this there's common ground for sure. Right, if right. you listen to Haji songs, you can tell that Bobby has always been writing that line between folk and punk. Yeah, you can. His lyricism is incredible. Yeah, you know, and he is a wordsmith. He should have been a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be the, the no, slowest, most no, like. That yeah, I mean it'd be like the sloths. The from, most uh, yeah, run right. land your plane rap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so so okay, so let's get, let's get this story finished up because yeah, I feel like yeah. we're, we're derailing a lot. Uh, 
so he asked us to open up. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, so, and this thing was promoted like crazy. I remember talking about the mall promotion. I remember going to the mall like you did because you had nothing else to do and of you were course, walking yeah, around. Sure. Yep. And uh, somebody had snuck into Victoria's Secret and the, the models modeling the lingerie had stuffed Haji flyers down in the bra cups and the, <laughs> really? and the, 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 the panties. I and didn't uh, know that. That's amazing. Yeah, and so, you know, it's like, I was like, I wonder how long it's going to take somebody to notice this. This has to be fresh because there's no way it's going to last yeah. more than 10 seconds. Uh, but it was a big deal. And, and so we, we opened the show up and we were like, we, we, we were like, we're going to play nothing but original songs um, because at least, you know, that's like, that's what, because that was our thing. That's what we wanted. And we, we, we played at Dakota a lot too. And we, uh, that was our time to do just original stuff. Because, you know, was, because the thing was back then, if you play in this, and now too, because I do it now, if you play in a bar, you're required basically to play four hours of music, okay? And oh, yeah. So, and so you're going to do a lot, unless you were Bob Dylan, uh, you know, and you've got 40 years of catalog of music, you're going to do a bunch of cover songs. Yeah. You know, and, but once again, back you said, I always still like doing covers that are unexpected. Like, I'll always yeah. pull out, like, uh, you know, like Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean or something. Heck, it's weird yeah. that, you know, it's like, oh, I've never heard a dude play that on acoustic before. And that was always my thing. Uh, but we, so we opened the show up and we it's, and we, we started early. Okay. Did that rap medley? <laughs> yeah, we're uh, talking about uh, Bobby's Sloth, by the way. The it, the song that's playing right now in the background, it's one of the fastest songs in the world. And when he sings it, it's incredible. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so we start playing and and and, and you know like and, and there was a whole lot of people there at first. There was a younger crowd there or the older crowd there that was more into like, hey, I'm going to have coffee and a sandwich. Uh, and then we we go to. It's getting a little darker outside, uh, and these the punk rock uh, kids are showing up, and they're 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 lining up, and we've played about an hour and a half, and that's about all of our originals, right? You know, that's almost like two records worth of music. We're done with it, and um, hey, and so selfie, yeah, <laughs> selfieville, selfie so, baby. I get the phone rings at Dakota, and Michael is on the end, and they're like, Brad, we we had just come off stage. We're packing up our gear. We got all these acoustics, you know, all these acoustic guitars being put back in and stuff. And uh, and they're like, Brad, hey, the phone's for you. And so I go and get it, and it's Michael. And Michael's like, hey, Brad, how's it going? And <laughs> I'm like, um, we're good, man. We just, you know, we just finished. And uh, But, yeah, I'm kind of glad this thing's done because, uh, you know, I don't think your crowd's really into what we're doing. And, well, uh, I need you to play for another 20 minutes. No, no, no. 20 no, minutes. 20. Yeah. Michael well. says, hey, the van broke down. We're about two hours away. We're just getting it started back up, but it's going to be another two hours before we're there. Okay, so here's... Okay. We're coming out of Savannah, Georgia. We had just played at the Velvet, Velvet Elvis in Savannah, Georgia with a band called the Peeping Toms who are notorious for having girls flash while they play. It's my kind of show. Get, get in the microphone, man. It was cool. Uh, okay. You, you, you're drifting off. Sorry, man. Sorry. You're so, off. so they were notorious for having uh, you know girls flash while they play, and um, it was it was a fun show. We had a good time. We're driving in, and the van just like it just stopped. It said no, not today. Yep, it just stopped, and so we had to have it towed to Dothan. So that's that, what it was. That's yeah. what it was. So when I called you, the tow truck had just showed up, and I was like, we are behind. And we will be right. there as soon as we can. And so Michael tells me, he's like, well, how many people are there? And I'm like, all of them. There's like 200 kids already out here. Like, you, you can't see anything in the parking lot but kids standing out there. And he says, uh, hey, man, you guys want to play another hour? Hour and a half, maybe? 
Play and I'm what? like, play what? Another hour? Yeah, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I go to Dave, and Dave Myers was the singer of Acoustical Roots. He was at this long ponytail, this big beard, this Whoa, big bro. old dude. Yeah, whoa, we called him Whoa Bros. Whoa Bros. Great singer, great songwriter. Great hair. <laughs> great set of legs. He was awesome. Yeah, he killed uh, it. You know, he, he walks up, and uh, he's like, Whoa, bro, what's up? You know, he's like real into surfing and stuff. And I'm like, hey, uh, Michael just called, and their van broke down, and now we got to play more songs. And he's like, and he was all gung-ho. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, man, right. And I'm like, it's not, not a good thing, man. It's not a good thing. Like, He's like, well, man, let's just play like whatever we want, you know, and they can deal with it. So we get up there and we play these songs and 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 we do start doing a lot of cover songs and people are getting like visibly upset about it. You know, they're like posers. You know, like who are these guys? You know, and I'm like, we play all over the place. We make a lot of money doing this. I'm like, you know, we're good, man. Like I don't need to impress you. Right. Yeah. You don't need their freaking approval, yeah. man. Right. But 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 they're, I understand. They're, they're there harsh, for a certain man, thing. It's, it's right. harsh sitting there trying to perform with somebody and everybody's there to see something wildly different. Meanwhile, I'm white knuckling. In this van, tow trucking back, and and I'm just like, oh god, oh god, please don't let everybody leave, you know, because I'm like this promoter heart, and I'm like, we got to make sure that everybody yeah. that comes stays, and we got to play yeah. to all these people, and it was the CD release, and we have all this promotional material, and we're like ready to the posters, and we have all these plans, and I was just like, God, why are you doing this to me? Right, <laughs> right. But I remember this; I'll never forget this as long as I live. We were finishing up our last song, and we had actually gone back and doubled back and started playing our originals again. We're like, well, let's just practice at this point. We'll just you know, <laughs> and you know, forget these dudes. Yeah, they're not gonna uh, notice. Yeah, who cares? Uh, they already hate it. You know, we got harmonicas up here. Nobody's digging this. <laughs> and uh, the tow truck pulls in. The epic the place erupts. Uh, <laughs> people like as we're hitting like it was, it was like some kind of a movie. Like as we were hitting the last notes of whatever song we were doing, the doors open and people just. Blood outside. How'd you hear? Yeah, and right. I'm, pu- I'm pulling up, and I just see this outpouring of people, and they're just all like cheering and going nuts. And the, but, and the people were taking pictures, and I now have like physical copies of the the photo of the van that oh, that's that so teal, awesome that teal Haji van yep. up on the the uh, the, the tow game. truck. Yeah, it was, it was like how much more? Were just like how much more? <laughs> how how much more punk rock could it have been that? <laughs> You had a tow truck bring you to the gig. You know, right. it's like it was. It was. It was like almost just poetic. But and then I remember we played I, one of the best shows of our lives. It, well, I was going to say it was. It was unreal. It was because we had just so been on the road. Fun. And when you're on the road and you're playing the same set yeah. every night, you get that thing down, and it is. Oh sure. It is just like tight. You you don't have to think. It just it's comes, all muscle memory, right? It just comes out of you. Well, and there's and so also that there's was also, the end of the tour, and it was the best show we ever played. Also, because you I had mean, people reciprocating it back, you know what I mean? They were excited because the they build knew up. the songs, right? And they knew the songs, and they were going to buy the record, and it was going to be this big event, and it was a big event. And I remember, um, I remember, you know, you guys getting up there, and it was just almost like I'd seen you guys play probably a thousand times before that, course, and I hung yeah. out with you all the time. But it was the first time I saw you guys, and it was like legitimately thinking like. These dudes are like rock stars. They're about like, to kill look it. At yeah. it. Like it's different. It's something's different, you know. There was this just like this whole new attitude about it, you know, and it was this really cool thing. Uh I th- was that the night that Justin you broke the No, I was not there that night. <laughs> was that you? It was. Oh my god, the case that got broken yeah. was you? The case of the broken case. The yeah. case of the broken case. I never knew who did that, What's man. Up? Another that wrinkle. was you. Yeah. It was, it was oh my god. I got so much crap from the owners about that. They were just like, Well, you know, like these are antiques. You know who didn't get crap? 
You? Me. Because <laughs> you hid. You're like, Sorry, Ron and I got, Tana. I got a bunch of crap over it. <laughs> I'm sure you did. A bunch of crap over it. Ron's like, I, yeah, that was, know, I, I like that Haji song, but... but uh, I, hate, I hate their lifestyle. That was that was the night you guys played with Trance and like maybe L9 Stop and Claude. Oh, oh my God. That was the, 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 the Nin- Curtis Boys. 19 yeah. Stop and Claude. Yeah, Claude. yeah, another yeah. pop punk that was... I always called them L nine because it looked comedic. like a, yeah, it was terrible. But then, and you know, and that it was a really cool thing. And like I said, then you know, you you ended up moving to Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, uh, I worked for you there. And like I said, then I had quit Acoustical Roots and came back to Dothan and really started focusing on songwriting. And I was like, I really want to write tunes and I want to do this. And that's when I became friends with Justin April, uh, who's sitting here with us and his show here. Justin, tell us about your band. <laughs> What band? It's the best <laughs> that band. That rubber band heard. you keep in your pocket. Oh, uh, listen, dude. I can put a band together tonight. Uh, but, I, you know, I started writing all these songs and I was hanging out with these great musicians and I started learning a lot and, and learning more about. And I started listening. I got more into like independent music and listening to guys that were writing like, you know, way above what I thought people could write. And, uh, and you're so, like, who the hell is Haji? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who in the what? <laughs> Haji in the who what's now? Right. Squip, squab, squib of that. And uh, <laughs> but remember you, that time we were on, we were on. Uh, well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, when I said Scotty and the Bourbons. Well, you said Scotty and the Bourbons that time, but I was talking about the time we were on the radio because we opened for our, uh, Creed here in town when they yeah. played <laughs> the Outer Limits, <laughs> and we opened for Creed, and on the radio they called us Haji and the Turbines. <laughs> All right, the whitest name you could. Yeah, give you guys used to have airplay all the time. It was kind yeah. of crazy. Star yeah. One Hundred One used to play us uh, every hour on the hour. They would play Circle City Blues, yeah. the song the song we wrote about Dothan, and then we were played in Tallahassee, Panama City, um, Atlanta, like all the like Southeast. Yeah. Because when we went on tour, we would give our CD out and our stuff out to like radio stations, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they started playing it. And so Birmingham used to play us all the time. Well, we played at the, 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 what was it called? The Chucker. And mm-hmm. it's like the oldest bar in Tuscaloosa. I think it's closed now. But, um, and, and so the, one of the DJs was there. He's like, give me your CD. I'll play your CD. Sure. And they used to play it all the time. Yeah. That was the good old days, man. You can't do that now. You can't do that now. You got to have like, oh, who's your management company? Yeah. yeah it's so stupid. We're just worry about licensing and getting sued or whatever. But, like, yep. but when you moved off, you, you, you started another band. And I, me and Bobby Hill started playing together. And because Bobby was getting really into this folk thing. And so, you know, and so he had kind of, the Haji thing, like I said, no, you don't quit that, but it wasn't there anymore, and I wasn't doing anything. And so what we would do is we would we never really wrote anything together, but we would do these shows at Dakota and at uh, River Nile when it was up and down. Oh, I remember River Nile, yeah, yeah. and uh, Wired. Didn't and, your sister work at River Nile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I worked there for a little while. Um, but we would do these shows where we would uh, we would play, and I would like one of us would open and play for forty five minutes of originals, and then the other one would come up on stage, and we would do like 45 minutes of cover songs together we had worked up and then the other one would close the show out yeah. and it was a lot of like we, we both were releasing records so it was a pretty awesome formula because like you'd go like I'd go see him because I mean he's your boy yeah why not um, but dude like to to be able to go from like solo act to a duo or duo and then solo act Brad's like I'm out of here and then Bobby <laughs> closed it up like it worked so well. Yeah, it was really cool. I really they, wish I'd been around at that time to see that. Yeah, it was fun because really we would do stuff because like you guys both are like two of my favorite like solo musicians. Yeah, I just love listening well, to both. It was your cool music because around. we would do stuff like uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, which you know nobody's covering that around here. Yeah, right. We would do that, and then we would segue into like Father and Son by Cat Stevens, 
and then uh, Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead, and then, you know, it's like it's just like this weird mix of music that we both really love that didn't get a lot of play, you know, like a lot of people don't hear those songs, and yeah. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, uh, we ended up forming a band called For the Birds that it was a collaborative event with me and Bobby. We both wrote songs together um, and songs we had written solo, and we put together a band with David Reavy, Chase Blessman, uh, David Reavy on bass, uh, Chase Blessman on drums, and from Haji Lore, Patrick, Patrick Hobby. Hobby. Right, um, yeah. The big head himself. Yeah. The and, big head himself. And, you know, and, and, and it touched into kind of, it was, it was, uh, it got back into that ether that Haji had where a lot of people were really interested. Uh, Justin, you, you would come to those shows and. Yeah, I shot so many, like, because I grew up and instead of being a musician, I just had a camera all, all the time. Like, yeah. I've shot so many bands. Like, I went on tour with Hot Rod Circuit for a year and shot all their nonsense. And that was fun. Well, I came back, when I moved back to Dothan, um, that's what was going on here. And so I was like, yeah, I'm shooting this for sure. So I've got like catalogs and catalogs of old photos of just goofing off at Herman's hands. I wish you had been around when Haji was going because we did not have professional photography. Well, I, that wasn't what was going on at the time, but <laughs> yeah, it was well, getting there. There was this guy from Panama City named Chick Bird, and Chick used to come, and he would take, um, like he had an, an antique camera, and he yeah. used to take these like four by four you would get these four by four oh like black and white photos that he would take of us and they were beautiful sure but you'd only get like six of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, took 30, it took 38 minutes to load that camera <laughs> right, <out>. right. <laughs> uh, but for the birds was cool we did that and you know uh, what happens with a lot of bands happens and you just you end up splitting up for this or that and uh we made a record. We never got to release it. Um, we made a documentary about making it. I remember we, watching that we documentary. We filmed the documentary. Yeah. It's about an hour long thing, and it was. I thought it was really cool. Uh, somebody uh, that they knew came in and was like, "Hey, I'm going to pay for you guys to make a record in Troy." So we all went up to Troy, and they put us up for like three days. Uh, we supposed to at Patrick's apartment, but we would. It was really cool. We would go to the studio at like 8 a.m. and we would record, basically almost 12 hours. Like we would just Which is expensive and, if you've ever tried to do it out of pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, a, that's a lot of money, dude. It's a lot of money. And so this guy, this, uh, this really cool guy, uh, I can't remember his name now. I, you know, I never kept up with him. I should have. He, re- he recorded the record, and uh, it was a, it's a really good record. I, I'd loved one day for it to see the light. Um, but I think the coolest thing that ever came of that was, that, you know, the band broke up, and it was like uh, maybe six months after the band broke up, and I was doing some solo stuff again, and Bobby's doing his solo stuff, and we're still friends. And Get that random call. Yep, I get a well, I get a message on MySpace uh, for, the, for the birds still had a MySpace page. MySpace. Yeah, this this was that's right. the second time we've said MySpace tonight, and that feels very weird. It makes weird. us feel real old because <laughs> yeah. that, that was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And uh, well, me and Bobby get this message on the for the birds MySpace, and it's this girl from LA, and she says, "Hey, I'm doing a show. Uh, I'm doing the show on uh, uh, the guy that wrote the Goosebumps books, R.L. Stein." has got this show coming out called the, the Haunting Hour. And we're putting independent music with it, and we want people to... We, we've been listening to your stuff. We really love one of your songs. We want to know if we could, you know, we could basically buy the rights to use it for, for a show. That's incredible, man. That's yeah. so cool. And $38 million. So, dollars <laughs> uh, and minus a whole lot of that out. We didn't make hardly anything, but... They sent us a check. I remember like, you know, we, me and Bobby both got an individual check because uh, we, we had written the song together. And uh, the episode, it's, if you, it's on Netflix. So if you're listening and you're like, hey, this, this seems cool, it is cool, you can go. Um, it's, Did you hear that? The, he, he told you it's cool. It if you cool. think it's cool, 
It is cool. Yeah. Right. I'm, don't I'm, doubt I'm, it. I'm, I'm don't giving doubt. you it's reassurance. You are you are cool if you think it's cool. Uh, and it's called the Red. What well, the show's called? R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. It's a kids uh, like Goosebumps was a kids kind of horror, it's like, like Erie, Indiana, almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of a PG. Like, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Used to be yeah. like, you yeah, know, like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like little spooky. Ooh, that was a good show. Yeah, it was a good show. Like little spooky little stories and the episode. It's in the first season. The episode is called The Red Dress and. Uh, toward about the end of it's about a, a girl it's that, like a prom dance yeah this situation. girl like gets a haunted dress or something and she wears it she, she, and she gotta getting, get you out of that dress girl <laughs> sounds like they needed a better writer well they did but but the, the girl oh, you one. know it's like it's like I know a guy. It's standard you know horror stuff sure. she uh, she gets cool when she puts the dress on like all, right, all yeah. the cool kids want her and, the, and the, like the really cool guy at school wants to dance with her and so around, I think it's like around, like I watched this recently, I had forgotten and I found it on Netflix and I was kind of blown away that it was on there. About a minute, like 16 or 17 is the dance and she goes and they start slow dancing and it's the song and you can hear it and it's, uh, it's my old band For the Birds. This song's called The Lights. Um, this is kind of this creepy song. Uh, we used to have an accordion we would play in For the Birds. We had, Bobby Hill would take a... Um, Violin bow. A violin bow and play an electric with that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we had like a banjo, a mandolin, but everybody switched instruments. It was a really cool thing. It was real organic, and it was just like, well, just do what you want. Like, you know, if you can play this, play it. You know, a lot of piano and organ. Bobby. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, check that out. And I remember like, and I looked up, and a lot of people online are like, hey, what's this song at the end of the red dress? Well, who, who sings the song? Who sings the song? And so I need to upload it to YouTube. Uh, yeah, just yeah. make a video just, for it Yeah, just do a video yeah. capture of that that uh, that scene. And then tag it out, right. And yeah. just like, you know, hashtag it was me, hashtag I'm, right, yeah. I'm Brad, hashtag yeah, yeah. I sang that song. <laughs> hashtag I'm Brad. <laughs> hashtag I'm Brad. That's my new band, hashtag I'm Brad. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like A lot of people run into the same thing over and over again where they've got this idea and they want to put together a project, whether it's music or whether it's I don't know, doing an art show, whether it's I want to start a t-shirt company or whatever, like you, there's no reason to not do that. Like there's so many ways that you can figure out how to do it on your own rather than trying to rely on, all right, well, I've got this band and now I need a manager and then I need that manager to hire me an attorney so I don't get screwed on my contract right. to play something. And it doesn't need to be that complicated. Just do your homework and you figure well, out, well, you should just figure out where you want to go with this project and you just start walking. Right, and that's the way things used to be. Yeah, and, and, and it's still the same. I mean, it's still the you same. You can way do it now. now, but people expect things to be handed to but them. And they're like, are, "Hey, I wrote a song. Where's my record contract?" Yeah, it's right, silly. Right. And also, that that goes. In, I think that goes hand in hand with people that don't. Uh, there's the passion's not really there to even do it to begin with. It's just like it's hard because I want to be famous. Or with I so do many this. people and so many idiots being in the middle of social media and just being the, in the spotlight. Like it's very daunting to look at somebody that's successful and then be like, "I want to be that, but I don't want to be that shitty version of that." Right, and or it's I, also or I don't want to work for it. I don't want to work really oh, hard. Oh yeah, like and I want and put the effort in. Well, to part do of the it. problem is that the the random it just happens every so often that right place, right time people. Oh yeah, and those are the ones that people aspire to be. They're like, sure. "I want to be. I want to be guy. Justin Bieber. I want to be the guy that's in the right place at the right time." Yeah. Well, that's that's like it's just a one. But it's not like he woke million, up man. and just a flash, it's a flash in the pan. I mean, yeah. it's just when it happens, it happens. Well, Justin Bieber's not a flash in the pan. No, no. But what I mean is, I that mean, you've got a tattoo of him on your butt. That guy's a hell of a talent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, but but there there are a lot of people. 
who who literally don't want to put the work in, and right. that everything we've talked you about tonight to with work, acoustical work, roots, work, I, I, work. Well, I don't have to. Go I to work. do tomorrow, but that me too. <laughs> but you know, so like you, everything we talked about tonight, it was years in the making, and it was not a success. Like no, you look no, at no, it no. and you say, "This was a Dothan success. This okay, was something sure. that Here, happened." This will be fun. This will be fun. Worst show you ever played. Oh my god! Worst worst show you ever played in any band or any just ba- in any Hodge? band that you were ever in. I know mine. You want me to start while you think about this? Yeah, a go ahead. Okay. Tell me the worst show you ever played. We got booked, and uh, when I was in Acoustical Roots, we got booked in this band in it in uh, with this little place in Auburn. It was a laundromat. I know the story. And it was half laundromat <laughs> and half sandwich shop. Um, sandwich mat. A sandwich mat. <laughs> sandwich mat. A laundrich, if you will. <laughs> uh, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll bite. Yeah. Uh, so we, we get there, we, we unload our stuff, and we're looking around, and we're like, whoa, like, I do not know about this. It's it's next to, of course, now all of Auburn is basically central to a lot of trailer parks that are around there. And that's because it's it's like easy, you know, students to live there. I lived in one. Right. Um, but there was this kind of more of a sketchy looking trailer park that was kind of right next door to it. And we go in, and nobody in the place spoke English. None, none. none Except War Eagle. Yeah. War Eagle. You can say yeah, that. That's all, that's all you know. Uh, and we're looking around, and we're like, and we're like, we are the band, and they're like, okay, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. And uh, very nice people, but they just didn't speak English, and uh, and nobody spoke Spanish. There was, um, you know, and we're like, so we set up, and as we start playing, uh, we actually had a lot. We had a big following in Auburn, and a lot of people did come, and they were always, like, why are you guys playing here? Like, why did you book here? And I'm like, we, why didn't you tell us? Like, why <laughs> yeah. did you tell us not to book? Good here? looking out, homie. Thanks, maybe, man. Maybe like third song in, this guy. Fires up like seven washing machines at one time. He's like brings his everything he owns that is wearable or of cloth and throws it in these washing machines and they rattle really hard and they're right next to the stage. Oh, so that's you, fun. Oh, even over PA built in percussion amps, system. Yeah, you couldn't hear anything. Just and play to the you know to the rhythm. <laughs> the rhythm is going to get you. That's right. And it did. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think that was the worst. And then at the end of the night, they're like, "All right, guys, it was forty dollars they gave us." Dollar. Right. Okay. Well, so. I mean, okay, it's hard for me to pick a worst, right? We were a five-piece man, by the way, 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have to say there's, there's two. And, and the, the first one, people might say, you're, you're spoiled for saying that this sure. is yeah. the worst show, right? But um, years after Haji and the Turbans, I, I've been through several bands since then, but um, the, the, none of them had the this, this staying power. Mm-hmm. This is the first band I was in since Haji and the Turbans that had the same kind of feel to it, yeah. right? And this was the band I was in in China, which was uh, XXYY. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Chinese name. It was called Xiaoxin EE, which means to be discreet. And we were a three-piece pop punk band, and we sang songs about boobs. And that's why it was funny that we were called to be discreet, because we were yeah. absolutely not discreet. We were just like mayhem and nuts. And so... We had played a few beer festivals, and we had done a lot, and these guys approached us, and they said, hey, we're opening up um, this this new giant theme park slash shopping mall thing, and we need a band to play, and we want a Western band. Can you guys come do it? And we're like, yeah. They're like, it's an outside, it's an hour outside of Shanghai, so we, you know, we caught some public transport, mm-hmm. and we got out there, and they haven't built anything. <laughs> oh, my God. It is literally... This giant piece of land that they're going to build. Right. And they have built one building. And inside of this building... is just a bathroom. Is a bathroom and the model of the thing they're going to build. <laughs> oh, my God. 
And that's it. And it is in the middle of nowhere in China. And so they had a public transport of my ass back to the house. But they paid us a lot of well, money. Yeah, I, you know, I'd I'd, hung I hung out with that I'd model. Out, yeah. A lot of money. And they had a really pretty girl who was like the, the MC of the night. And <laughs> they had um, all the rural local people yeah. who lived in the area. They were there. And so if you go look at pictures, they had a nice stage. They had like nice lighting, nice chairs. Everything was like really, really nice looking. And then they say, okay, it's time. Go up on stage. Before us was um, two <laughs> two local dudes doing um, like hip-hop dancing. All right. Yeah. Freestyle. Yeah. Shanghai's got talent, right? Got that step, step goon squad. Before them was a group of 30 um, local young kids doing like Some chorus a situation. chorus thing. Yep, yeah, exactly. And so then to finish it all off was the Lao The boob band. The foreigners. A bunch of round eyes. And they were like, okay, play. And they had, um, so it was like seats for about like 50 people. And it was completely full. And then the side was full of people who were just walking by on their way home. And then there were all the <laughs> cops who were standing there. Right. And then behind that was all the food. And they had free food. So all the villagers were there to eat food. They were just like, yep, free food? Okay. Yeah. And so they were just eating. But a, villi- a village over there is like a pretty decent-sized town. Yeah. So we were we were about 10 minutes like drive Dathan, right? from this um, uh, 800-year-old water town that we would often play because mm-hmm. they had a punk rock bar right on yeah. the canal. And so it was like this ancient town, and they had a punk rock bar. And so we were planning to go over there and get drunk after the show mm-hmm. was over. So we're like, okay, how long do you want us to play? They're like, 45 minutes. We're like, okay, then you come back tomorrow, do the same thing, 45 minutes. We're like, okay, sure, no worries. So we got on, and we played two songs, and everyone left. They just got up and left. Yeah. Because it was punk rock. We were just, I mean, we literally, it was just like fast. You can't pe- play chord. punk rock like softly and quietly. No. The funny thing is, is before we went on stage, we were signing autographs. We were giving out free shirts. We we're giving out our everybody's album. Everybody's so amped. And everybody's so amped. Hear, and when they heard it, said, they just. I'm out of here. Left. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> we were just like, <laughs> what? And so literally we played two songs and they were like, okay, well, everybody yeah, left. Deuces. So we're going to take you to the bar, get you drunk, and we're still going to pay you. And we're like, sweet. And they're going to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, so we're still doing this tomorrow? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, are you sure? You didn't learn that lesson I'm like, a minute are you ago? sure? This was, so this was actually karma for when we had to play that second set right. for your band <laughs> yes. to come late. So we, this is how the universe got the you day, back. The exact same <laughs> thing happened night that too. is amazing. And we got paid a thousand US dollars for playing thirty minutes of music. That's because that's we played really fifteen awesome. minutes one night and fifteen minutes the next night. And then they took us to the bar and got us drunk and we didn't have to pay for anything. So it was like it was great. But so that's why I say when that was the worst thing, people are gonna be like, You're spoiled. That's amazing. But as an, a musician, it sucks. Standing yeah. on there and watching people just flood away from what you're playing, yeah. that's a that's nightmare. A terrible that feeling. That is a nightmare. You have a second worst show? I have show? a second worst show. Well, I, got, I got another one, too. I'm going to tell this one, and then you can tell that, All right. and then we'll wrap up. Uh, I, we got, and Justin, you'll remember this, we got booked to play at Club, For the Birds did, at Club Imagination. Yes. Okay. Club Imagination was the, uh, the gay bar here. Uh, a lot of fun. Really cool place. Uh, Dothan's best tattooer used to be the bartender. Yeah, Chris Chris Lurie was the bartender. He was my roommate at the he, time. He's been on this podcast recently. Yeah, yeah, telling yeah. stories of yesteryear. 
That's what we do. That's really, really all we do. We just sit around and be like, remember that time we all lived in the same house? <laughs> yeah, remember that time <laughs> we got weird weird we did weird stuff? We're just all friends and we just talk yeah. about stuff that used to happen. Yeah, sorry, Charlene, you're out of this one. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens when you're not here to do your job. Yeah. Boom! Yeah. Oh, I just took your job. Your job is gone. Go to that uh, beach. So, <laughs> so we got booked to play here. Um, now, they book us and Alan uh, Carlton, who was the owner of Club Imagination, who actually was the guy that married me and my wife, Really good friend of mine. Um, he gets us and he's like, "Hey guys, cool." Uh, you know, Club Imagination was huge too. There was so many rooms there yeah. and all these places to Bone play. Bone Crusher used to play there when it was like yeah. Club Three Hundred and Sixty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was Buzzies. like, uh, "He was like, all right, man, well, we're gonna let you guys play outside by the pool. Oh, we've what a spent disaster. all this money to open up the pool and clean the pool, and we've got a bar open out here. It was Memorial Day. Yeah, it was Memorial Day weekend. It was busy. There was a lot of people there. I didn't go." Um, I, remember, I remember not going. There. <laughs> yeah. I Very remember vividly. not going. <laughs> I remember declining your your With Facebook friends offer. like this. Um, so we get out there and it, it's Memorial Day, which is what in June. Yeah, hot, hot. It's I mean it's like a, a million degrees, and we set up our equipment. It's so hot that the equipment's fading in and out because it's just it's like heating up the wires. Yeah, it's yeah. just like <laughs> yep. And every so nobody wants to be out there. Because it's too hot to enjoy it. Of course. And there's and no, no breeze. And nobody wants to swim. Because they're going to get boiled. Right. Well, it's that, That's also a that, nightclub pool. There, there's no shade over the pool, right? No, 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 okay, no. Okay, yeah. Now, that was to a be fair, we started playing at like 8 o'clock. So it, it had cooled down a little bit since we set up, right? Yeah. But we're like two songs in. And we are this like very indie folk, strange kind of sound. Who is this again? For the birds, right? Okay, okay. So... Uh, yeah, you know when you got an accordion up there playing, like people were like, "What?" what? Yeah, I ain't about that. You're at a gay club playing an accordion. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that, I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to stereotype here. No, I'm no, just no, saying, no. like, most gay clubs don't have accordions no. playing on stage. And, and we found out real quick that the you know a, a vast majority of the people there were not in. They wanted to hear club music, which is fine. That's, yeah, that's everybody. What it, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's what, a nightclub what is they about. came there to hear. Yeah. They want to dance. They don't want to hear a couple sad dudes singing sad songs, right? Uh, and and also get boiled in a pool, <laughs> get burned alive. But there were the, the 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 few that wanted to swim, and and here's the crazy part: it's eight o'clock. Like in that bar, we went there a lot, you know. And I I took you there when you came home once. We had a great your brother and everybody. We all went out there. It's a great place. Still want to see Jay on that stage. Yeah, <laughs> we all get out there and we're having a blast, and uh, it's hot. And we're like, well, whatever, we'll just play. And but who wants to jump in a pool at eight o'clock? And then be at a club in soaking wet clothes till one or two in the morning. That's not, how you get shaved. Not me. Not me either. Not no. me. And, and, and I guess I, I, what we said earlier, it's not even that it was a gay club. It was a no, club. No, it's a club. It's a club. People came there to hear club music. Right. It wasn't. I mean, they're not there to hear indie folk rock and and there, and there a, was there was doing their own filth in the right. hottest pool. <laughs> yeah, the hottest pool that right. anyone's ever yeah. created. Yeah, it was four foot from one end to the other. It wasn't like there was a deep end or anything. It right. Like, it was yeah, like it was, it was a, a, pool it was a waiting like, pool. It's yeah, about half right. the size of this office. It, they, it ain't no Doug too. No. No, and you know what? It's certainly not. It's not Dothan's most exciting beach water world either. Uh, <laughs> that wave pool, water son. world. <laughs> that water. That uh, wave pool, my man. So we we end up we end up starting playing, and some chucklehead decides he's gonna uh, splash the band while we play. Cannonball? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and so he does a cannonball right in front of us and splashes. 
And I just, uh, I won't go into what I said because it was, uh, it's not appropriate. For Shut this. it down. But, you know, we, I told. We Expletives were, were uttered. <laughs> beep, boop, beep. We were to play the next night too. And I told Alan, I said, hey. Nah, my man. I said, we will play, but we will play inside. I said, I'm not doing that again, man. That is just too hot. Um, I'm, I'm, my, in, my internal organs are boiling over. Now, I, I don't know the story, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say he said no. No, he was like this. Yeah, no one even went out there. So you guys are going to play. But we played right at the door when you came in. Really? Yeah, where you get yeah. like belly button rings. Which, which and stuff. turned out was. Well, <laughs> yeah. There was a dude. There was a counter in there. You yeah. get straight up like because the could, tattoo shop was right next door. Yeah, right? yeah. you could yeah, buy yeah. you could buy Newport cigarettes. You go over there, and if your shit didn't <laughs> you glow buy in your black pokes. light, right? You yeah. could buy ports, a belly button ring, and a t-shirt, and you could see. But it was a package deal, right? You couldn't buy them separately. <laughs> no, 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 it yeah. was all it was. It was a gift bag. It was a gift bag. Yeah, they threw me out of that place one night because I put I filled out the whatever, and I put an absurdly fake name like Fred Durst or like. Uh, he Scott says, "Fill out whatever." He walked up to the wall and just started writing because he was drunk. <laughs> and they were like, uh, "They're like, this isn't you." I was like, "Well, I thought this was club imagination, not club, <laughs> not club reality." And I, at the time, I was like, "Man, that was really clever." And now I'm like, "Man, I was a real drunk idiot when I was in my twenties." <laughs> yeah, but it's still pretty funny. But uh, I will say, the second night we played, it was really cool because uh, all the drag queens came and watched us play. Before they, you know, their show started at midnight oh, or something, nice. and we started at like nine. So it was really, really cool because a lot of the people that loved us came and saw us, and so you would see like seven foot hair, and like you Who's know, that? Uh, your brother kidding. Jay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this guy like, just brick. big, big hair, and then you'd see like some like greaser, and then you, you know, it was just like it was a cool thing, and it was it was a that the second. So when I say that that was the worst, it wasn't. The circumstances of the first show were really bad, but the second one was a lot of fun. It was, well, cool. was good. It was really cool, yeah. It was a no. cool place to play. Well, our second worst show was on that tour that we were talking about earlier where Haji took the tour. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was uh, two nights before we came to Dothan for mm-hmm. that. You know, we were in Athens, Georgia. Tasty World. Exactly. Were you really at Tasty World? We were at Tasty oh, World. Michael, Michael Stipe still owned that from R.E.M.? Because so he did own that. Uh, did he? Yeah, Michael Stipe oh, had a wow. recording studio upstairs. Well, because yeah. they had the the Forty Watt Club, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Forty Watt Club was where everybody wanted to play in Athens, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. they were totally booked. And so when I was sending out the press kit before I booked the uh, the, the the tour, uh, I sent it out to Forty Watt and I sent it to Tasty World. Mm-hmm. And Forty Watt was like, "We're booked." Tasty World was like, That's "Come crazy. come on." So we played Tasty World, and um, we ended up uh, the the band that opened for us was called Penis Turner. Yeah, Penis. Turner. Whatever Gross. happened to those guys? <laughs> I don't know. They're, They're climbing called, the charts right now. What do you mean? Good, what happened? So you know when you're when you're DIY booking a tour, you have to you know it's not like you don't have a writer like most people have. Yeah. Like, right. It's basically like they're like, what do you want? And so I say, all we want is gas money to the next town. Right. We're a punk band. We're just doing this like indie tour. We need twenty bucks. That's all we want. We want twenty bucks. We want to put twenty bucks in the car. That's Whatever it. we sell our okay. merch, we keep that. Exactly. We're going to sell our merch. Yeah. Everything. He's like, okay. He said the problem is it's like a Tuesday night. So I guess it wasn't two nights before because so he played. tried to like get. He tried to weasel out of twenty bucks. Well, hang on. He he and said been, evidently and then some. He go he goes he goes. Well, yeah, I can guarantee you guys twenty bucks. Just realize it's like a Tuesday night and you know there's not going to be a lot of people here. And I said, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. So we get there. Literally, the only people in the bar are Penis Turner oh my God. and Haji and the Turbans. All right. At the, at the bar, there's two dudes, but 
they leave before the music starts. So when the music starts, we watch Penis Turner, and then they watch us. Right. And that's it. No one else came in. Tasty World had that forty dollar budget, and they had blown it immediately. And Tasty World, <laughs> and, and and he goes, he goes, hey, I've got, the, I am before the show started. He goes, hey, I have this setup. I can record you guys live mm-hmm. if you want, uh, but you have to provide your own um, tape. Tape. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. So we went and bought it, and we brought it back. Dude recorded a song and a half, oh. and then gave us ten dollars and said sorry. I was what? like, you gave us a guarantee of twenty. He goes, no one showed up. And I was like, but that that, that guarantee doesn't, matter. doesn't that's, that's the what guarantee, guarantee means. That's what a guarantee means. Right, You're going to give right, us twenty right. bucks. So literally, we were like, <laughs> it was expletive, like the expletive, expletive. worst man. Yeah. We, you know. I do not miss touring at all. Like, that, dude, that living on a tour I literally bus, almost went to jail that night. I was gonna fight this dude. I was so mad. It was the principal. We had we had money we had saved up. Right. It right. was the principal that you gave us a guarantee of twenty bucks, and then you gave us ten, and then you said we're gonna record the whole set, and we went and bought tapes and spent <laughs> our own money, and you recorded a song and a half, and goes, oh, sorry, I forgot. I wanted to murder this dude. I had to make some tasty freezes. (laughs) Yes. Penis Turner was (laughs) Penis Turner was like tearing up the bar, man. They were I was too busy. I was too busy. I mean they wanted corn dogs. What could I do? Penis Turner. What could I do? And I didn't get it until later that they were trying to be Tina Turner but with penises. I I didn't get it until just now when you said that. Yeah, they were they were Tina Turner with penises. They were penis turner. So dumb. Penis Turner. The dumbest name ever. The worst name ever. Yeah. With that in mind, don't let your dreams outweigh your ambitions. Go do what you want to do. Be what's happening. Love everybody. Uh, I don't know. You got a project and you want to try to get it nailed down and turn it into a straight up full time job, dude. You can do it. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. I've written two books. I mean, like, you just do what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. It's awesome. Be what's happening is not just like, hey, here's what's happening, Dothan. It's no. like it's like a philosophy, man. Literally, sure. anywhere you, if you're you want at, it to happen, do it. Yeah. Or if you're be bored it. at a hotel room, figure out what's going on around you. Don't just well, be boring at the house. And I'll say this: this was a, a lot of fun. And uh, thank you, Justin, for having us. Yeah, on thank you, Justin. Yeah, I'm sorry, was, Charlene wasn't here. She, yeah, no, Charlene's awesome, man. I'm, I'm sorry she wasn't here too. She kills it. Um, yeah, she's a great. I'm sorry so that good. Brad and I like totally bogarted the mic. Yeah, tonight. we 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 got excited. That's all right, man. You listen to episode 21, you hear some real weird stuff on a microphone, <laughs> and uh, you guys did a real good job. So thanks, man. Thanks for having us again. And uh, hey, uh, you guys, subscribe and uh, check out. Michael's book, uh, the new book right. coming out. I got out. a book that just came out yesterday. It's uh, it's called Between the Lanterns. It's a science fiction novel set in the future, and it takes place in Dothan, Alabama. Future Dothan, future Dothan, yeah, I baby. Was, I was, it's uh, available on Amazon.com. You can go to my uh, you can go to my website, eatplayrighttravel.com, and you can get it there. Brad Clayton, the man sitting across from me, was one of my beta readers and helped me sculpt the book into what it is today. And it's it's truly, uh, it, not only was it just written by one of my best friends, but no, it's it's an amazing, amazing book. Uh, really, check this thing out. And you know, if you like, I said it's it is sci-fi, but but don't let that deter you because it's really a love story, is what it is. It's, it is. It's, it's it, an absolute it's, love story with slight sci-fi. Uh, it is so softly sci-fi right, that you yeah. won't tell it. Sci-fi. You're not. You're not going to be reading about it's, like it's uh, the story of two people who fall in the love. The Crab Nebula, or you know, right, like right. That. It like takes place in Dothan in the future, and that's the only science fiction part of it. It is about two people who fall in love and they face a bunch of challenges. And it's a, it's an amazing story. So check that out. Dope. That's it for this week. Hit us up on thelocalpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, uh, facebook.com slash thelocalpodcast. Same thing on Instagram and Twitter. See you in a week. Uh, Yeah. Bye.